Welcome to Coastal Community Church. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Can we go ahead and give it up for all of our family that's watching online right now with us? We love you guys. We miss seeing you. Can't wait to be back in person at some point. Well, uh, we have been in a series over the last couple of weeks called At the Core. We've been talking about some of the vision and values of our church. And I just want to say, if you're a guest here with us, you picked a great weekend to be at church because you're going to hear a little bit of the the heartbeat of who we are as a church this weekend. And so let me tell you what we are not. We are not the best church that's out there. We are not a perfect church. Uh, uh, The reason I know we're not a perfect church is because the only perfect church that exists is the church that has no people. Because the moment you walked into church, you messed it up. You know what I'm saying? Like the moment I walked into church, I, I, I messed it up. And so, and so just from the fact that you're here, you messed it up. Why don't you go ahead and turn to your neighbor and tell them you messed up. Now turn to the neighbor that you didn't want to turn to and tell them you messed up too. Why? Because church is a bunch of imperfect people coming together to worship a perfect God. And so uh, we, we love the local church. We don't view the, the other churches as competition. They're actually our partners here. And so some people come to our church. Some people love it. Some people come here. They, they don't love it, and that's okay. But we feel like as a community right here at Coastal Community Church, we have a unique vision. And we started this church with this vision that we said we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. That is the vision of this house, and that vision has never changed, but let me just tell you something. Over time, I believe the strategy will change, but here's what I know. Even in strategy change, there are some values that we hold near and dear to our heart that will always be at the core of our church because they were at the core of Jesus' life, and we think that it shouldn't just be at the core of our church's life, but it should be at the core of every single one of our lives that call ourselves followers of Jesus. And so we've been talking about some of those different ones, and today we're going to be talking about a value that we have that we, we like to say it like this. It's called, We Do Life Together. And we think that this is probably, of, of, of all the values we have, this is the one that is probably the most foundational for us as a church, because we think that one of the most important aspects of your life following God, one of the most impactful areas that you are going to have is going to be your relational world. It's why we named the church Coastal Community Church. We did that intentionally because we wanted to build it around your relational world because we know that the greatest life change that you're going to have is going to happen in the context of your relationships. And so let, let me kind of explain it like this. Um, over the last couple of years, Shayla and I, uh, we, we bought and sold a couple of, of homes. And one of the things that we've learned in the buying and selling process, and we, we've been remodeling uh, these homes that we bought and sold to, to kind of do the American dream of getting to where we eventually want to be, which is what everybody's doing in life. I, I, one of the things that we learned very early on that our realtor told us is, is he said, hey, listen, don't just find the home that you love, the most important thing is is that you find the neighborhood that you love. Because the right home in the wrong neighborhood uh, will will leave you unfulfilled and unhappy. But if you find the the right neighborhood, you can make any house a home. 
And I think that there's a principle in there. If you'll find the right community, I believe that you'll find the right people. And, and so I remember we, we recently bought a home during the middle of the pandemic. We sold our own home. We bought this new home. It was new to us. It was old to today's standards. And so we, we purchased this home. And uh, when we bought it, it was a mess. Like it had weird walls and places. Like there was a bathroom in the kitchen. Anybody else think that that's weird? It's like, like here, let me bake a pie and use the restroom at the same time. Just awkward thing. It's like, who designed this home? And so I remember we purchased this home. And the day that we closed on it, we went in there and we started ripping out walls. We tore that bathroom out. We tore that, that kitchen out. Like we were tearing up floors. We were doing all of this construction there because we wanted, we're, we're the kind of people that we want a home that makes sense to us. We're, we're an open concept. So like, I want to be in the kitchen and, and be able to talk to Shayla while she's on the toilet in the master bedroom. You know what I'm saying? It's like, actually, we, we put a door on there, so we can't do that, but it's Just being honest, like we, we just, we, we love the, the ability when we have friends and family over, we can be talking to somebody from the kitchen in the dining room and in the living room at the same time. We can have those, those conversations. And so we went in there and we started destroying this place. And then we realized, hey, we got to put this place back together. And, and I'm pretty handy, but I don't have all the skills that are necessary. And so I started inviting my relationships in. I, I had a friend named Alex, who's a great flooring person that was helping me out. My stepdad came over with the kitchen, uh, uh, the guy that was playing the keys over here, helped me put my countertops in, and, and slowly but surely, through our relationships, we began to put this home back together. In 30 days, we completely remodeled this home on the inside. Shayla made me say that today, because last night, I didn't say that, and she said, our house is still ugly on the outside. I was like, so it's what's on the inside that matters, right? That's what they tell you. Who cares about the outside? The inside looks good. I don't live on the outside, I live on the inside, and so... But I remember in that 30 days, it was painful. Like, it was hard work. There were moments that I, I, I quit. I was like, I was in the middle of putting out flooring. I was like, I'm done, I quit. And Shayla's like, you're not allowed to quit. This is your home. You have to stay here, so. But I, I think that a lot of times in the construction of our life, what we do is we build some things that restricts and conflict with the kind of life that we all desire. We want what's possible, but we settle for what is present because in order to have what is possible in life, it means that there is some deconstruction that is gonna have to take place in our life. And, and so instead of building the life that we have always dreamed of, we end up settling for the prison that we've always had. And I think it's one of the reasons that people end up so unhappy in life is because they're so lonely in life. In fact, um, the late great rapper Nipsey Hussle said this, and he said, if you, you look at the people in your circle and you don't get inspired, you don't have a circle, you have a cage. Terrible rapper, but that's some great theology right there. <laughs> like if you look at the circle of your relational world and it's not inspiring, then you, then you don't have a circle. What you have is a cage or what I would call a prison. And I think far too many of us in this room and far too many of us that are watching online right now, 
We are imprisoned in life. There are far too many of us in this room that are carrying burdens that we aren't, too, aren't meant to carry. There are far too many of us in this room who feel distant from God when God is open and available to us. There are far too many of us in this room that are worn out from life instead of letting life breathe out of us life into other people. There are far too many of us who feel judged and feel guilty and feel trapped when Jesus came to actually set us free. And what I know is that all of those things lurk behind the walls that we have constructed in our own lives that God wants to eradicate so that we can have an open plan to be able to experience all that he wants for us to have in our lives. And God wants to set us free and he wants to connect us and he wants us to do life together, but so many of us, the reason we're not experiencing that kind of life is because we fail to realize that the most important thing to do is to be aware of what your current life is like. We're dreaming about what could be instead of becoming aware of what is. Because the only way that we can change is if we become aware of where we are so we can get a plan of where we want to go. And so today we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture out of Acts chapter 16. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. And uh, let me give you some context of what is happening. Paul and Silas are in Macedonia. And uh, they are, have been preaching the gospel. And they've been building the church there in Macedonia, winning people. And as they're walking through this town, uh, a fortune teller, this young girl who, who can see in the future, she's... She, she's demon-possessed, comes up behind them, and she starts shouting as they're walking along, hey, these men serve the most high God. Like, they're gonna, here to tell you how to be saved. And you would think that that's kind of like a hype crew. You'd want somebody like that, that like, that's hyping you up. People know that she tells the future, and she's telling everybody, like, they have the answer to life. But over a couple of days, they continue, this girl continues to follow them. Paul gets annoyed, turns around, casts the demon out of this girl. The problem with that is, is that this girl can no longer longer provide the monetary benefit that her owners uh, were getting from her. So they get upset. They rile up a crowd. And all of a sudden, there's an angry mob coming after Paul and Silas. And we're going to pick up in verse 22. It says this, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon clamped their, and clamped their feet in stocks. So they're arrested, they're beaten, they're thrown into prison, but it wasn't just any prison, it was an inner prison. And I think that for some of us, what has happened in life is we have built some inner prisons. You gotta get this. You have built some inner prisons that are keeping you from freedom to have the relational world that you're so need in your life. And I think one of the prisons that we build ourselves is a prison of isolation. Where what happens is, is we get hurt because somebody sent something, somebody did something. And when we begin to hurt, our natural tendency when we're hurting is to run. Instead of facing that thing, we run away because we think that if I get away, then they can't injure me, they can't hurt me, they can't reject me, they can't demean me. 
And what we do is we begin to create distance in our relational world. And here's what I've learned about distance. Distance always distorts your view. Distance always creates distortion. And when we don't have, don't have clarity in our viewpoint, we see things very, very differently. And the less clarity we have, the less progress we make. Why? Because we live in a day and an age where we want to know everything, understand everything, comprehend everything before we ever take a step of faith. You know, there's an old saying that says you can impress people from a distance, but you can only impact them up close. And because we're distanced in life, we look at things and we go, I don't measure up. I, I, I won't be accepted. I'm not good enough. I don't have the potential. And what ends up happening is we end up Lonely because of this prison of isolation. And Mother Teresa said, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. And we end up impoverished in our relational world because of this prison that we built for us. For others of us, it isn't the prison of isolation, it's the prison of insulation. And I, and I would say that this is, this is what I would call the prison of offense. Where we just live in a day and an age where everybody is offended by everything. Come on, can we all, uh, like, if, uh, can we agree? No, no, we can't. I'm offended that you want me to agree. <laughs> can't believe you would do that. And listen, the greatest thing the enemy has ever done is he has divided us over offense. Like, just look at the last 18 months. It's like, how much division can we create, not just in our world, but in the church? Like, how much can we create, whether, whether it's a racial thing, whether it's a mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine? Who cares? It's about Jesus. Like, we need to get back to what's, but, but what happened is, it's like, we, we get offended. And, and what we do there, when offense happens, when offense takes place, we build a fence around us. It's what we do. We're building a fence around our minds. We're building an offense around our hearts. And we think, and what we think is that, well, I'm building this to keep you out. But really, what we're doing is we're building a prison that keeps us in. We're building a prison around our hearts, and we leave, we end up stuck in anger resentment, bitterness. What it also does is it keeps the grace and mercy of God out. And what ends up happening is our heart and our life gets hardened and it gets calloused. And I just want you to know, listen, you can't control what other people say. You can't control what other people do. You can't control what other people even make you feel. But I want you to know that taking offense is not a feeling, it's an action. And just FYI, so is forgiveness. 
not a feeling. It's an action. For others of us, the prison that we have built in this inner prison of our life is the prison of insecurity. Where it's just, I'm not good enough. And growing up, my, my dad was a superintendent of a jail. So I, I, I was around a prison warden. And I remember asking my dad as a kid, like, hey, when, when somebody comes in, what do you do? He's like, the first thing we do is we strip them of all their clothing and get them naked. He, I was like, why do you do that? He's like, we, we strip them of their dignity. And what the enemy's goal is to strip you of your dignity and destroy your identity. He does that by getting you in the comparison trap. Like, am I good enough? Are people going to like me? Are they going to love me? Because, and because of what has happened to you in life, because of rejection that you've received, because of a situation that you were in, you now live with an idea that you don't fit into this world. And you become obsessed by what other people are thinking about you. And it ends up paralyzing you in life when it comes to your relational world. And, and I, I read this quote. It says, becoming obsessed by what people think is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. And a lot of us have become so obsessed with what everybody else's opinion of us is that we've forgotten what God says about ourselves. And instead of having the freedom that he intended for our life, we end up in prison. Instead of creating environments that are safe and loving and, 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 and life-giving, we've created prisons within ourselves that are holding us captive to anger and bitterness and hurts and offense. And I believe that God wants to help us escape from those prisons today and begin to build the life that he's always intended for us. And we're going to see how we can do that in these next couple of verses. Verse 24, it says, the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet together around midnight, Paul and Silas. So important right here. Number one, if you're taking notes, here's what you're going to need to do if you're going to escape the inner prisons that are in your life. You're going to have to find your people. It says, it says, it, it wasn't just Paul by himself. It wasn't just Silas by himself. It, it says that they were bound together. What's interesting about that is, is that they, they, this is where the enemy messed up in this story. This is where the enemy has always messed up because he's never realized the power of community. He left them together instead of separating them and isolating them and insulating them and putting them in that position. He left them bound together. He tied them together. And I believe that you have got to have some people that are tied to you in your life. When your marriage is a mess, you're going to have some people that are tied to you in that moment. When your life is going down the toilet, you're going to have some people that are tied to you in that moment. When there is struggles with your children, you're going to have some people that are tied to you in those moments that are not just with you when it's good, but are with you when it's bad. That will walk through the dirty as well as the clean. The ones that are not afraid to get into the mess. Because when you find your tribe, you're going to find your vibe in life. And I'm just telling you, God wants you to have some people in your life that will stick through you. Not only in the highlights, but in the lowlights. Man, in my life, I'm, I'm so thankful. I have some friends that have been there in the highlight seasons of my life and the worst moments of my life. That, that showed up when, when life was going to hell in a handbasket. When I thought things were over, I, I, I have some friends that are, were on phone calls, were showing up at my house. Like, they were with me whether it was good or whether it was bad. 
And we all have to have some people like that. And so my question for you today is, is who are you tied to? When you're in a mess, I just found that God shows up through people a lot of times. And I believe that if you'll find your tribe, you'll find your vibe. Chuck Swindoll, a great Christian pastor and author, said this. He said, nobody is a whole team. We need each other. You need someone and someone needs you. Isolated islands, we're not. To make this thing called life work, we got to lean and support, relate and respond, give and take, confess and forgive, reach out and embrace. Since none of us is a whole, independent, self-sufficient, super capable, all-powerful hotshot, let's quit acting like we are. Life's lonely enough without the playing our silly role. The game is over. Let's link up. Listen, if you want to know what your future looks like, look at the people that are committed to you and you're committed to. And I'm just telling you, if you find your tribe, you will find your future. I want you to know no matter how talented you are, how gifted you are, how awesome your personality is, you will never accomplish anything great alone. So we have to realize that God created us for a relationship, and God has people waiting to be engaged and involved in our lives that want to commit to you. And I just, I just personally find that so helpful in life. Because have you ever just felt like, God, I'm just alone, help me? Have you ever just felt like, man, I'm so afraid, God, help? Like, wouldn't it change your perspective if you realize that God is sending people your way right now that are for you and are committed to you? We just gotta begin to open up our eyes. And God, what, he's sending those people. But you and I, we have to have the courage to get out of ourselves, to get out of our inner prison and become a part of that people and engage those people and have the courage to go, you know what, if God is calling me, I'm gonna commit to you. See, I think that that's where the church comes in. That's what the church is all about. It's why we commit to each other. It's why we bind our hearts together and our lives together. And we're committed to helping one another, not just accomplish our dreams, but being there in every single moment of all of our lives. Because my life is an endless novel of people that have come alongside of me and said, hey, I'm committed to you. And I've said back to them, I'm committed to them. All of my success in life is attributed to the relationships I have in my life. Let me just sidebar right here. I'm a product of the 90s, so you're going to understand that. Yeah, I'm going to preface it. Um, if I were to go out on a date, if I was a single person, let me say that I'm not. But if I was, so if you're watching online, I'm, I'm, I'm married. Okay, just FYI. Uh, but if I was a single person and I dated Shayla on, on, on Monday night, and I came over here and I dated Christine on Thursday night, and then I went out with Alyssa on Saturday night, and then I picked some random girl on Sunday night, you know what they would call me back in the day? They would call me a hoe. term from the 90s, if you don't understand. <laughs> Listen, I know some of y'all go to CBG on Saturday night, come to Coastal on Sunday morning, you hit up Calvary on Wednesday night, 
You hit up a group at Community Christian Church on Thursday. You know what I call you? I call you a church hoe. You will never understand the power of community until you commit to a people. Listen, I love all of those churches. They're all fantastic churches. But you're missing out on the most important aspect of every single one of them. They are communities. Stop being a person that just consumes and start being part of a community that contributes. Man, I don't, I don't care where you choose to go to church. You can choose to be here. You can choose to be somewhere else. I just want you a part of a community because that's where you experience the power of finding your people. Find your people and commit to them. And when you find your people, number two, you got to find your voice. It says in verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. I found you can't always control your situation, but you can always control your response. And I just learned that the people that I surround myself with are eventually, that's how I sound. It's how I sound. Like every study basically out there known to man will say, that, man, the people that you're, the five closest people in your life are, is what you're gonna look like, is what your life is gonna look like in five years. Just is, why? Because you're a byproduct of your environments. It's one of the reasons why, if you get to know the, the staff here at Coastal Community Church, you'll, you'll find out that all these people are like positive, upbeat, like let's go storm the gates of hell with a, with a water gun. Why? Because I want people to respond in a way that are like, no matter what's going on, God's got this. Like I serve the God of the I have, I will, I can, and I'll do it again. God promised. And so we're going to walk that way in life. We're not going to shrink back in moments. We're going to step up in moments because that's what our God has called us to do. I want some people like that that are in my life so that when I'm going through hell, they're like, man, let's go get this, buddy, because there's some water on the other side. I think it's so interesting that in this scripture, it says that they were singing and praying. They were singing hymns. And it, they, they actually believed that they were singing the, the halal. It's Psalms 113 through 118. It's all about God's saving power. They were shackled in prison, but prison could not shackle them. They sang, and what happened? The other prisoners listened. What's interesting is that those prison guards, they had stripped them of every single physical item and weapon that was on them. But what the prison guards failed to realize is that they had a weapon that was within them that nobody in this world could strip. And it was the praise that God had put within their lungs. And I want you to know, church, there is a weapon that is within you that no man, no woman, no thing could ever strip. And it's your praise unto God. And when we gather together and we begin to lift our voice, things begin to to change in those moments. God changes things. It shakes the foundation. Where there were shackles that were binding, they were broken. Where walls were formed, they fell. The walls of Jericho, how did they fall? With a shout of praise. The Bible says in verse 26, and suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. 
something about this weapon that is inside of you. Don't let the enemy and don't let this world strip you of your praise. You might be physically limited, but you're spiritually empowered. And when you can't figure things out here on earth, what you need to do is you need to bring heaven down to earth. And how we do that is through our praise. It takes a hostile situation and it turns it into a home field advantage. Matthew 18 says, I tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered as my followers, I am there among them. See, the math of collaboration is always multiplication. If one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000. Man, and listen, when we start to gather together and we start to put our voices together, it changes things. It's one of the reasons why we say, hey, we do life together because it's not just about Sunday. This is great. But you need something on Wednesday. You need something on Thursday in your life. You need some other voices. Why we tell you all the time, get in a group, get in a group, get in a group. It's not because we want something from you. We want something for you. We want you to understand that there is power in community. And you start surrounding yourself with people that have the right voice. You're going to find your voice as well. In fact, I, I would encourage you, that you can start signing up for groups next week. And we're going to have groups out here that you can sign up for, man. But it's, man, you, if you find your vibe, you'll find your tribe. Number three, so you find your people. When you find your people, you find your voice. But don't forget, just because you're free doesn't mean you're finished. Verse 27, it says, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to himself. Paul said, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and replied, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. See, just because you're free doesn't mean you're finished. Because there's some other people that need you. The jailer in this story, he's about to take his life. He's about to lose everything. And Paul and Silas, they had freedom. They had it. But they stayed to set the person that everybody perceived was free, truly free. And listen, there's some of you here, you found freedom. And you think, man, I'm all good. I got this. I got my friends. I got my tribe. I got my vibe. I'm, 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 I'm there. What about the person that doesn't yet? What do they need? They need you. Now that you've got your friends, somebody else needs a friend. And you get to be a part of the remodeling process of tearing down the prison walls to creating an open floor plan where God can move and shape and transform their life. Because now you're a part of something bigger. You're a part of making, not just a life, but making a difference. See, I've just learned that God does this amazing thing. He forgives us. See, forgiveness happens through Jesus. 
But the healing that we're all desiring, you know how that happens? It happens through people. Like God washes us white as snow through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. But the healing that we so desperately need, that comes through our relational world. That's why James chapter 5 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Well, why doesn't God just do that for me? Because he wants to use you to impact somebody else's life. It says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The power of a righteous person, a person with right standing with God. And I know some of you, you, you have fears and you have anxieties and you're like, well, what if I get rejected? What if people don't like me? Listen, the thing that you're afraid of doing is probably the thing that will free you the most in life. The hope and the life that you're looking for isn't found in your pursuit, it's found in your commitment. That's why we're committed to doing life together. That's why God was committed to doing life with you. He was so committed that he said, I'll give up the most important thing in my life, my son Jesus. I'll give the ultimate commitment of his life on the cross for your sin, for your shame, for your pain, for your prison of isolation, for your prison of insulation, for your prison of insecurity. He said, man, I'll take it all. I'll do the deconstructing so you can be reunited and restored into relationship with your creator, my heavenly father, so that you can experience life and have it more abundantly. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're in here today, and, or maybe you're watching online, and, and you would say, you know what, Pastor TJ, I, there's some walls that have been built in my life, and before I can really experience healing, I need to experience the forgiveness that only comes from God, from a relationship with a God that loved me so much that I need to experience a new beginning, a fresh start with God where I can know God the one who created me and made me and experienced the grace and mercy that comes only through the cross of Calvary with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you need to experience that for the first time or the first time in a long time here today. If you just slip your hands up at count of three, I'd love to pray a simple yet significant prayer with you that begins that process of changing and transforming your life to knowing God. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip your hand up if you need to make that decision today. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, sir, I see you too. Thank you. Yes, sir, back there, three, I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? If you're watching online and that's you, just go ahead and put a hand emoji there and the talk bar. And, and if you'd repeat this prayer in your heart as I prayed out loud, say, God, thank you so much for sending your son to tear down the walls of insulation and isolation the wall of insecurity, God, for, for my sin and for my shame. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins here. Come into my heart. Take over my life. God, I ask you to not only be my Savior, but be my Lord. 
Lead God and direct me all the days of my life. Fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience, God. And as I begin to pursue you, God, I pray that you would send those people that you've been putting in my life all around me all the time, that I would have eyes to see, that I would find my tribe people that are committed to me and I'm committed to them and together we would move forward and discover our voice and realize that you have set us free so that we can be free indeed but not only so we can be free but so that we can free other people God would you use our lives to be an offering of worship to you every single day of our lives it's in Jesus name that I pray